Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach who works with managers, C-level executives, and business owners who want to become more mindful and self-aware of how they operate, whether that be through selling, managing, or running their own business. I believe for us to truly connect with those around us, whether they be our customers, colleagues, even friends or family, we need to truly understand ourselves first of all, understand what makes us tick, what makes us feel fulfilled in our life, and what do we really want. And this is one of the reasons why I started Not Another Sales Podcast, because too much is placed on the practicality and skill of doing something. Whilst that's important, I believe we should start with our mindset and behaviours. Start at the root, understand that, and grow it from there. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organisation that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognised coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by award-winning YouTube creator, professional speaker, best-selling author, and co-founder at Aftermark, Amy Landino. And Amy and I are going to be talking all about the limiting beliefs you need to overcome when building your brand and business. We're going to start by talking about some of the limiting beliefs that Amy experienced when she first started out, and the most common ones she hears from others around her today. Along with this, why people feel like these limiting beliefs should exist in the first place and what causes them. She'll be sharing some of the impacts it has on people, whether you're consciously aware of what it's doing to your potential business or subconsciously what it could be limiting you to do in the long term. And along the way, providing you with some practical insights and tips on how people can become more effective at overcoming these limiting beliefs. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Amy, welcome. How are you? So good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, really well. Thanks. Thanks for joining me on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Great. Happy to be here. Great. And Amy, for people tuning in who may be living under a rock and don't know who you are, it'd be great to give them a bit of a, an overview, a story of as such. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I, you know, I, ha- I I always say I have a lot of different layers to this onion, but um, mostly known for sharing ideas with people on how to go after the life that they want on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ABTV. Um, in, in that sort of same avenue, uh, I'm speaking, um, I'm an author of a book called Vlog Like a Boss. I've co-founded a video production studio with my husband, Aftermark. So we do a lot of video consulting and production over there as well. And so a lot of my world is filled with video and content marketing. 
and um, and going after the life that I want. So that's pretty much it. Mm, nice. And I remember my first uh, experience coming across you was in Gary V's book, and I found it very mm. inspiring. Your your story, but also it, it got me thinking. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk nowadays around courses, insights, things out there, the process behind starting a business, a brand, but before you get down to the practicality of it, there's a, there's a lot of internal battles that sometimes people need to, to fight initially and even ongoing. So what I'd love to get your insights on today and even experiences and, and stories is the insights from the limiting beliefs you feel people can face when building a brand and, and how to overcome them. So first of all, what types of limiting beliefs did you experience when you first started or, or have heard from others since? I just love that question because I think people deal with um, a a scarcity mindset in a lot of different ways. And a lot of times we don't even know that we are. And that's what I would point to. If I had to think back um, more than 10 years, you know, from today's date of what I was doing and what I was thinking I needed to do, a lot of it had to do with, you know, how am I going to follow the right path to sell my time to be worth something to people? And, um, you know, it's kind of funny, just I ended up finding a passion. And over time, that made me realize that it, it wasn't so cut and dry. It could be I could make money and I could make a life in a lot of different ways. So part of it is sort of like, you know, who do you surround yourself with and what are they teaching you about what you're capable of? Because that will start to um, set its own sort of tone with you. Um, one of my biggest limiting beliefs was just that, you know, some, I wasn't, I wasn't born to do something in particular. You know, I, I always point to my very dear friend from all the way back from kindergarten, his name's Lewis. And he would always be in art class way ahead of the rest of us. Like when we were doing the clay mugs to take home to our parents, like, look at this mug that I made in art class. He had a mug that had like a dragon face on it. And it was the most intricate and beautiful piece of art. And meanwhile, we can't even get the handle to stay on right. (laughs) So to me, you know, that, that reminded me of, you know, he went on to be an architect. It was just like what he was born to do with his artistic abilities and the way that he saw things and his imagination he was born to do that. So because I didn't feel like I had that, and then you go through your your years of growing up and people saying, what are you going to be when you grow up? And not knowing and not being able to have something like that that's giving you direction. I just, I didn't have that. So I thought I wasn't born to do something. So that automatically made me feel very mediocre at best at, at everything. And you just sort of figure out, you know, how are you going to get through life at that level? So I think that was a really big one for me because by the time I'd realized that I was good at something and that it was worth something, it, it was just wild to me that I even figured it out because I thought somebody was going to have to tell me I was good at something for me to figure it out. Mm. It's interesting when you, when you said there around people would ask you when you were growing up what you're going to be. And it's something that we often define people by what they do rather than what you're going to be. Mm. Almost mm-hmm. People don't look at it enough like, what you're going to be as a human being rather than actually what your job or your business or your passion is going to be mm-hmm. you're looking at it a bit deeper sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, I'm so happy that I think our culture has come a long way in that regard and that we do look at people with a lot more, um, 
dimension Mm. and, and depth. And I think that's so important because, you know, even figuring out what I was excited about was only the first step. You know, there's a lot more to this process. There's a lot more to, you know, navigating your way through it and learning and doing by learning and doing and doing and learning and all of that together. Because, you know, what I was excited about wasn't taught in school either. So there wasn't like the permission of a degree mm-hmm. to send me in a certain direction. And, and that's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a long road, but if you figured it out and you're excited about it, it can be really exciting. Yeah. And, and since you've started this and when you speak to people, you know, I came to your mastermind and found it thoroughly and not just enjoyable, but valuable. And uh, you, you speak to other people like you talked about at the start, keynote speaking, what, uh, some of the other limiting beliefs that you hear nowadays and ones that maybe have evolved as we have with our technology and the way social media is? Well, I definitely hear quite a few because I work in video mm. and video is very uh, <laughs> difficult for a lot of people to try on. And it was not easy for me either. So I can completely relate to that. But um, probably the most limiting belief And um, this is my favorite thing about this is that, you know, people end up being so entertaining when they're saying these words to me, but it's like, I'm not interesting enough, or I'm not cool enough, or I'm not exciting enough, or I'm not extroverted enough to, to do something so ambitious as video or even something similar, but not necessarily as obvious as video might be people automatically classify themselves based on what they have learned about their limitations Mm -hmm. rather than about their advantages and decide, Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and say like, there's no way I'm going to get on camera. And it's because of this when, you know, stage fright might not even be the issue. It's something else that they've already decided because they've seen what good work looks like they assume that certain aspects of themselves do not fit that mold. And those are very limiting beliefs. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned there with all those statements, it, it ends with enough. It's X, not enough. X, not enough. And exactly. I think a lot of people get trapped in this uh, idea of it needs to be perfect rather than this level of satisfaction. Because Yes, perfection is a huge issue. Yeah. And this perfection is all, all, always based on others' opinions, whereas satisfaction is based mm. on our own and, and levels of satisfaction mm-hmm. can grow as we do and it's Absolutely. not saying you know what does this need to be perfect but what would this need to look like for me to be satisfied with it you know i love the way you phrase that because it's it's honestly the more i think about it it's a movement of permission mm-hmm. there may still be permission that somebody feels like they need but they um they're getting it from the wrong place. They're getting it from a place of, I feel like this needs to be qualified by a certain person, whether it's mom or a boss or a husband or whatever. And then it's, it's not that permission that you need. It's not that person you need to satisfy with perfection. Once you start to zero in on getting the permission of, from the person who you're doing this for, like, who is that in in the case of video, it's a viewer. In the case of a business, it's a customer. If you are thinking in things in terms of the person who the offering is for, it's less about perfection and more about serving that person. And that's the reframing of permission that I think is a really important distinction um, because 
you shouldn't be focused on people who are not a part of this equation. It's very easy for somebody to think you're silly if you're trying something new, if they are not the audience for it. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned scarcity at, at the start as well as a big limiting belief. And I think it's also, particularly now social media, a bigger thing for people to to go online and feel like I don't have as much experience. You know, I don't want to come across as a fraud or this person mm-hmm. who's already in that arena knows so much. And I always use the analogy when I, when I coach people and talk to people is that, you know, there may be a peak that you're aiming for on a mountain, but you're going to be at a certain base camp wherever you are, where someone else wants to be. So it's never mm-hmm. undervaluing your experience, your knowledge, your insights, because what you can be sharing, yes, you're not claiming you're an expert, but to someone else that could be the game changer that gets them started on their journey. Right. Exactly. So what do you think are some of the other reasons why people feel like these limiting beliefs exist? You talked about the perfection versus satisfaction and you mentioned at the start around who you're surrounding yourself with. Is there anything else you feel that, that causes these, these things to occur? Yeah, absolutely. Comfort zone. I mean, at the end of the day, it's much easier to have limiting beliefs than to take on the responsibility of being able to do more. And a lot of people, and I do too, I'm not saying I'm always outside of my comfort zone. I'm an introvert. I know my comfort zone very well. But knowing that you could do more or that something is possible is a lot to think about. And that can be paralyzing. And simply giving yourself the opportunity of a limiting belief takes a lot off your shoulders, takes a lot off of you even bothering yourself with it. But it also really keeps you from any real opportunity that could happen because people look lucky all the time. Mm. But in all actuality, luck plays a role when you show up a lot more and when you open yourself up to things a lot more. And, um, You read about me in Gary's book. I mean, that's a really great example of me just being so present that luck paid off. And it was because I took chances and because I tried silly things other people didn't do. And because I was impressed with somebody's work and I wanted to show him that he taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I was lucky enough to get featured in his book. It's not an accident. There are other people who are very impressive as well, who are inspired by him. But... I put myself in a, you know, kind of crazy situation every once in a while that was a little outside of my comfort zone because I knew if I did it, it would be a difference maker. And when you, when you know that, if you're willing to take a chance on it, that's huge. But yeah, back to the original point, if it's easier to have a limiting belief, because then you never feel like you get hurt because you're never trying new things and failing. That's a great reason to keep these limiting beliefs in your mind. Mm. But if you want to see more from yourself, You have to be okay with knowing, you know, I I love the feeling when my heart starts pounding and I'm like, oh, I have to do that thing. And it's not once that once the light bulb goes off and it's like, oh, wow, like that's a big thing that I'm really convincing myself I need to do now. And it's not a matter of if it's when, Mm -hmm. because I've already accepted the big responsibility of something huge that I could do because I'm thinking outside of my limiting beliefs. And that can be scary and a big responsibility, but it's beautiful when you see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's two things actually that really, um, you know, resonate with me when you're talking about that there. 
first of all, when you said, you know, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I, I think that's so right. I was listening to Rich Roll's podcast a couple of weeks ago and he, he was talking about in life, you everyone is presented with opportunities that can help them sort of, you know, start the next chapter or elevate themselves. But it's about being in that position. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not waiting for it to happen. It's, it's working for it to happen so that when those opportunities do present themselves, you're in the right state of mind mentally, but also in a physical sense to be able to take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the other part you mentioned there around comfort zone, and I, I, I shared a video on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and it, it, it got pretty interesting with people's perspectives on it because comfort zone to me implies that it's somewhere where we're comfortable. But a lot of the time, the reason why we want to move outside of it, or at least think about these things is because we're not. So it's even sometimes mm. calling it our comfort zone is a bit of a limiting belief because it almost feels like when we do push ourselves outside of it, that, oh, we've got this comforting thing to go back to. So for me, what I try and do when I'm pushing myself to start things like the podcast and, and other avenues that I've, that I've shared with you in the past is almost writing down like why why I want to leave this place, not just why I want to get to where I'm going, but what I don't like about my current situation. Because it almost mm-hmm. creates that need, that creating that bit of that fire in the house where you have to get out because you can't go back in because the house is going to burn down. Yeah, it's it's so crazy what happens when you actually start doing because I would completely agree with the sentiment. And I have found that there are certain things that I do in my career that I'm like, oh, this is a new level of comfort zone for me. And it's something that a lot of people would rather never do Mm. or would never give a shot to. So I I agree. I think it's really interesting that the idea of a comfort zone can totally be a limiting belief because new things can start to get really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And yet they are not what we would classify a comfort zone as. Yeah. And and recently, with you starting your your own podcast and also the Just Try This mm-hmm. podcast, did you experience or have experienced any limiting beliefs or, or non-serving thoughts that were quite new from when you started initially? Um, you know, not really, just because um, they were things that I felt were a natural next step. But also, um, I had started podcast in the past. So if I had to point to something, it was just, um, I've, ha- I've been like a, ha- a happy podcast launcher. And so um, with these newer ones, I just wanted them to be more focused than the first ones that I was like, really just kind of dabbling in the space and learning what I could learn about them. So I wanted, you know, my limiting belief was that um, I might get impatient and not do them as well as, you know, I would stick with a video plan. But um, no, I mean, I think um, I think that was that was less difficult for me, especially with just my the amount of content creation experience I had. Um, and but the biggest thing with that is just knowing that you're in it for the right reasons Mm -hmm. and that the person on the other end of the earbuds are going to be listening for the reasons you want them there. And because you, if you do not focus on those people, the content is not going to be any good. You can't just do it for you. Mm. So that's what really gave me faith and not so many limiting beliefs around it. Yeah. Such, such a good point. And that's one of the things I took away from the mastermind, just clearly defining your avatar of, of the person that's, that's listening to you and, um, I, I shared a video the other, the other day and, and tips on presenting and I said whenever you present you should always make the customer the hero of the story and it's the mm. same with 
with podcasting or anything is that you should always leave someone in a better place in terms of how they think or feel having listened to you in terms of your avenue and it, it's not just about you it's your story is important but then it's like why are you telling your story and how can it help those people around you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely if you i mean i love the way that you put that it is the north star of everything that i do mm-hmm. i love when people bring me new ideas i love when people tell me what i should be paying attention to especially if i think that they are super smart in that particular area but if something doesn't sound like it's a fit for my person, I don't do it. And that's just because of how well I know them. And so making them the hero is definitely something I believe in. Great. And for people listening and Amy, what, what tips or advice would you give people to start becoming more effective or even initially tackling some of these limiting beliefs that may be stopping them or stunting them in their growth, of their business? I think it has a lot to do with what we just said, because it's, um, you know, it's a lot easier to start thinking about being more confident in something when you start thinking about who you're doing it for. So my advice would be to just really start to understand who you do your best work for and what they need from you. Because as you start to think about that and really start um, building up the knowledge and the ideas and the experience and the product or whatever the case may be for that person the confidence to go after it is going to be there. And I think a lot of times perfection is is a product of not enough preparation. Mm -hmm. And if you start to really prepare yourself, not to a paralyzing point where you never launch anything, but if you are preparing yourself, you're gathering information, you're making yourself better, you're sharpening your tools so that you won't be in a perfect state, but you'll be in a state where you're like, I can't not do this anymore really understanding that person and how you can help them is one of the most mobilizing things that I've been able to do that have allowed me to compartmentalize some of those limiting beliefs as, okay, these are possible, but I'm now I'm going to try to disprove them. Mm. And by not focusing on them at all is how I'm going to try to disprove them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like you say there, when you're focusing on your why, your purpose of what you're starting, it's almost then thinking, it's a disservice if you don't do this because someone might not hear you or someone might not get to see some of your content or, or whatever you're talking about. And it almost flips it the right. other way. Definitely. Definitely. And in terms of your, your, your life so far as a, as an individual, what do you think you've learned most about yourself and some of the stuff we've talked about today or even before that or since? Um, you know, I think I've learned a lot of things. That's a, that's a, that's for sure. But um, probably the biggest thing is that uh, of what I'm capable of. I didn't think I was capable of much. If you would have looked at me 10, 15 years ago, I definitely didn't have the confidence. Um, but doing a lot in my life and meeting people and being an introvert and being okay socially and learning how to balance that over time and knowing what it's like for to help myself sort of rehabilitate myself so that I can be more social when I need to be more social. Um, I've learned that I am capable of taking on a lot more than I thought. And yeah, that's actually shown up in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. especially lately. But um, it's, I think that's the best thing and the biggest thing that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I guess would just be that 
I can take a chance on what I believe and and how I want to help people. And I don't have to be right all the time, um, but I don't have to look stupid if I'm not right. And I think that's where perfectionism also comes in, is always being worried about what people are going to think about what you have to say. And if I would not have started opening my mouth and helping people because I was afraid of what they would think I was going to say, first of all, they would have been the wrong people to focus on. And B, my audience, the people who are the right people to focus on, would never have gotten the chance to expand their mind on some ideas that I have. And vice versa. I wouldn't get to hear from them. So, yeah, I think those are two really big ones. Yeah. And that second point there, I think it all comes down to intention, doesn't it? If you have honest, true intentions of why you're doing something, then if people aren't a fan of it, that's fine because they're not the right fit for you and you're not the right fit for Mm. them. But if you're intentions right. are good then that that's all it needs to be going into whoever's creating mm-hmm. content doing a talk messaging someone whatever it is as long as the intention is true there and mindful of it then the rest will play out the way it should definitely and you mentioned uh, two or three times that naturally you're you're an introvert what what tips would you give for for people that may see themselves as this in terms of like how you've been able to maybe break the mold of what people might see as a bit of an introvert Um, first of all, it's always an internal thing. This is, that's the biggest lesson I've learned about introversion is that no one thinks I'm an introvert now Mm -hmm. for some reason. I can't figure out why, (laughs) but they, you know, but, but I don't come off that way. I, you know, I'm very, it's, I partially, I think it's surprising because, um, first of all, you really want somebody to be the same in person as they are online. And I, I'm fairly true to that, I believe. Um, hopefully, Chris, you felt that way when you met me. But, um, you know, I, I I always aim for that, which is just very important to me. But as an introvert, I totally uh, respect myself enough to know that I do not necessarily thrive off of outside energy. I enjoy it while I am a part of it. But I, I thrive and, and I, and I, you know, sort of, I don't know how to explain this, but like, um, I just feel better when I'm more on my own and just sort of like, you know, re-preparing myself. So by respecting that and also respecting the people around me when I am being social, you just have to know how to balance that for yourself. So first of all, if, if it feels like it's debilitating, then, you know, Stop doing things you don't want to do for one and really make yourself feel better first so you can present yourself in the best capacity. Um, And two, always show up for people. Even if you can only handle, you know, like 30 minutes of social time, like real life social time is what I'm talking about, then, you know, that's fine. Do it. Do it to the greatest of your ability so that you can start to just get better at it because most of the time if you've if you're really paying attention to people if you're listening to them if you're if you're you know really connecting when you do a great job of that just by listening you don't have to try very hard as an introvert like top love this secret like you do not have to try that hard you just have to be a good listener and hear what they're saying and be a part of a conversation and connect and come off like an extrovert. It's really odd. <laughs> it's it's just a matter of letting somebody feel like they are heard. And I think that that's helped me a ton with being able to overcome it. Yeah. And, and you, what I've liked, what you've said there is that, and you talked about it throughout as well, is that it's not changing who you are. It's staying true to yourself. Because I think quite often people 
either see introverts and just think oh, i need to be more confident you need to come out of your show it's like no there's nothing wrong with being introverted because it has its strengths like you mm. said there around you like your own time and you might look back on what you've started from your your business the podcast everything and think you know what actually if i wasn't an introvert i might not be where i am now so it's almost being mm-hmm. grateful and, and playing to your strengths rather than trying to be something that everyone else is just because it's it's not you mm-hmm. exactly totally and and finally amy any other um aside doesn't necessarily have to be related to the topic we've been talking about today but any other tips or things that you'd like to share with the listeners of what you feel may benefit them or what you talk about quite frequently at the moment um yeah I think uh, a lot of things I I talk about a lot of things (laughs) at the moment but good um yeah thank you um I I definitely think that um there's um we can't let this whole needing permission thing fall by the wayside. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I want to bring it up again because remembering where exactly we, we really need it from is tough to grapple with. It's not that we need permission to do the things we want to do in life and in our work and anything that you find purpose in. But if you need it, make sure you're getting it from the right, places and again it's about who you serve not who's gonna judge you and that can be really difficult depending on who in your life you know you feel like you need to kind of present ideas to because you're planning on either pivoting or trying something new or or staying the same who knows what it is but having that conversation you you really need to know how you feel about it and what you want to do and the intention that you plan to put toward it you know, really be a hundred at it, a hundred percent. But always remember that the permission that really matters is the one that you're going to need from the people who are going to tell you how to be better at serving them. So when I think about who I need permission from, it's less about, you know, my, my mom, I love her. Like I want permission from her about other things, but when it comes to my work, she's not the audience I serve. So I have to respectfully say, you know, hey, this is this is my plan. This is what I'm doing. And it may or may not be something she loves or doesn't love, but that's okay because she's not the audience that I serve. And I'm going to prove to her that it's a smart move for me individually. And meanwhile, I'm going to go talk to my community. I'm going to talk to my avatar, my audience, my customer, and say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Because they are the ones I'm actually doing it for. I really want to stress this because so many people have their permissions all out of whack. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying we don't need them. We need people in order to be able to do anything great because it's people who we end up serving no matter what it is that we do. So, you know, introvert speaking here, that can sound really scary. It's a matter of what people we best serve and how we get the permission from them to do our best work. Mm, I love that. Love that. Well, thank you, Amy, so much for your your time today, your your insights and stories. I've I've really enjoyed talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And for the listeners, how can they they find you if they aren't already in, in the world of social? Um, well, really simple. You can go to youtube.com slash Amy TV, A-M-Y TV, and that will pretty much point you anywhere, but you can also visit amylandino.com for more details about my book and speaking and things like that. 
Great. Well, thank you again, Amy. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.